Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, we have much to discuss today, and we'll be getting a little help in the process. He's a friend of the pod and an immensely smart hockey mind who you most likely follow on Twitter, and if you don't, you should right now. We are thrilled to welcome back one half of Evolving Hockey, our pal Josh. Josh, great to see you again. Yeah, good to see you guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, I was trying. I think our messages said I was, what was it, a year and a half ago, I think I was on? Yeah, just I- about. I think it was two springs ago. I was like, well, I was like, oh, that I was like, when was yeah, when was that podcast? But no, I'm I'm happy to be back. Thanks for having me. Of course, much too long of a gap. So we'll make sure yeah. that we change that for the next time we have you on. <laughs> yeah. So, Josh, let's let's set the stage for our conversation today. The Sabres are coming off a commanding five to one win on Monday over one of the NHL's best teams in the New York Rangers. It has been an up and down season to say the least. Jack Quinn has been out since the start of the year and isn't expected back until around the turn of the new year. Tage Thompson fairly recently got hurt and will be back around the same time as Quinn. Their experiment with Devin Levi did not pay off as they sent Levi down to Rochester this week, a move that we should say is welcomed by both myself and Taylor. Dylan Cousins and Matias Samuelson have been off to disappointing starts this year, as is the case for the only two offseason acquisitions made by the Sabres in the form of Connor Clifton and Eric Johnson. But how about some of the good stuff? J.J. Paterka is taking a step that everyone was hoping for, and then some. Casey Middlestat's strong finish to last year was for real, as he's firmly asserted himself as a quality top six forward. Zach Benson, the 13th overall pick in this past draft, has unbelievably managed to keep his head above water at the NHL level and has proven that he is ready to be in the NHL right now. Uko Pekalukinen has been playing the best, most consistent hockey of his career and has totally turned the Sabres goaltending situation from a dire need to respectability. Ryan Johnson got his call up this season and has never looked back, clearly showing that he's not only an NHL player right now, but also probably the Sabres' third best defenseman. As maddening as this season has been, they're 3-1-1 in their last five games and are just three points out of both the third playoff spot in the Atlantic as well as each of the wildcard spots. So, Josh, before we get into some of our specific questions, at a high level, how are you feeling about the start to the Sabres' season and their playoff prospects as well? Yeah, I mean, I think that I would be I so I think it's a little bit disappointing, I would say, but it's also I think my expectations for the Sabres were maybe a little bit lower than some of the fans, I think, because our we we had, I think, our preseason projections for the Sabres, you know, within the league, I think had them with a slightly less than 50 percent chance of making the playoffs like heading into the season. And that is, you know, was assuming kind of using all of our projections for, for based on prior years. So I think that I thought it was possible but I think something you know a lot of things would have had to have gone right for them to make it into the playoffs um I think right now currently 
we have them as like a maybe a like kind of in the mid to maybe around 30% chance to make the playoffs, if I remember correctly. So it's disappointing, I think, from a playoff standpoint. But I think my expectation for the Sabres is more kind of based around, I think, what their moves have been, I think, in the last year and kind of the way that they've been building the team is that I didn't get the sense that the team, I mean, I think, I think they were a little realistic in that they maybe are still a year or two away from really kind of developing into a solid, like kind of top, you know, like division type, you know, challenging team. And so I think based, you know, and it, I think, you know, this is, uh, there's a lot of aspects here, but I think they, this last summer was just kind of, I mean, I, I'm not, you know, I don't think anyone is going to really try to sugarcoat and say this summer was great for free agents, the prior, this previous one, because there really wasn't anything available outside of like a few players that kind of went early and weren't really there. So I think this, to me, it seemed like, like what a lot of teams did is they just kind of added a few depth pieces um, and they said, well, let's do another year. Let's kind of see where we're at. We still, I think the Sabres are in really a pretty unique position because they have a lot of really good young players. And I think to an extent, maybe even too young right now, like a lot, you know, I think, what is it? Like Paterka's like 21, I think. Like Cousin's still like in his very, you know, early 20s. Like Levi's like, you know, like, I don't know how, how I, I can't even 21. remember how he is. 21. 21. You know, Power, I mean, Darlene, they're all like very young. And I think that kind of team, to me, it, 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 I, my expectation with the Sabres this year was that they were going to probably try to compete, but I think they also were maybe you, potentially using this year as another development year for some other players, trying to figure out where their maybe older depth players are at and like kind of the type of players or type of additions they might need to make in the coming years, especially this coming free agency. There's a lot of good free agents available, and I think the team will have a much better idea after this season about what they maybe want to add and where their young players are at. Um, and I think we've already seen that with Levi, you know, they're, they're going to let him develop a little further. Uh, and they, you know, the unfortunate, you know, Jack Quinn, he's one of our guys. Uh, <laughs> he's been, uh, we, we had a, a fun thing on our podcast and on the site where we picked a player to scout as like, you know, the stats guys. I don't know if you guys saw that at all. Mm -hmm. um, and so we, the three of us, my brother and then our co-host, uh, Sean Ferris, we, we watched a game of, of, of his and then kind of wrote up our, our silly little scouting reports on him. But, you know, and I think his injury has been big. Tage's injury has been really big as well. So I think, yeah, overall, that's my, uh, I think my general take on the Sabres is that I didn't have huge expectations for them because I think our our models didn't really seem to indicate that they were the like a super strong team, but I think there was a lot of upside. And I think given their roster construction and especially their younger talent, I think they have a ton of upside in the next couple of years. Josh, were you the original Jack Quinn truther? Is that what you're saying here? <laughs> I, I, so I don't want to, you know, I, I'm not going to act like uh, people in Buffalo were were not maybe ahead. But he showed up, la like, I think it was last year, because last year was his rookie season, right? I think. I can't remember if yeah. he... Yep. He, yeah. Yeah, he, got, he played, like, one or two games at the end of 21-22. Okay. Yeah. And his results last year by our, our data was very good. I mean, that was the reason. We we like to, I think, especially early on in the, in the season, you know, like, now is a good time. Like, we've been looking at uh, Pablo Minchikov for the Ducks, who's really standing yeah. out as, like, a young, great player. I think He's that's... awesome. Really interesting. And that was kind of what we looked at last year with Quinn is that he was he was kind of an early standout from a young player that I hadn't really heard much about. Um, and so we were kind of following him. So I don't want to act like I'm the first on it. I'm sure that there were a lot of people in Buffalo who were huge Quinn fans. But uh, yeah, he he's, you know, so I think him, you know, missing a lot of this season is, is definitely something that's hurting, uh, hurting the team. But they, you know, I think they've struggled with some with injuries in general, but also like just kind of some uncertainty with players and, and trying to figure out what kind of roster they have and where they want to go with it. Um, so, yeah, I, 
we were a little early on him, but I'm sure there were Buffalo players or Buffalo fans who were earlier than we were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I always feel like with Quinn, it was a lot of like not so much his game coming out of juniors. It was just like the logic of if he was how many days older, like six days older, or like a week older, he would have gotten drafted in 2019. And everyone said at that point he would have been like a fourth round pick. But yeah. you know, he he turns people's he changed people's minds pretty quickly, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but I was gonna ask about. You're talking about the expectations versus how the Sabres have done so far. I think it's been interesting because coming into the season, like you said, they really didn't make that many changes. So you took last year's roster, which was they got poor goaltending results. They defended poorly, so they made things harder on their goaltenders, who then in turn didn't were even worse than they should have been given that those expectations. But they were fourth in the league in scoring. They like they got offense. Uh, from from multiple lines and like five or six different guys I think had 20 goals and then so far coming into the season I think people were like well you didn't change anything the only thing that changed really is you have different third pairing defensemen and Jack Quinn is going to be out for half the season how is that better it's going to be the same thing it's really not weirdly their goaltending has been fine uh, UPL in particular has been pretty good yeah, uh, yeah. And their team-wise defending overall is just better. Like, I think even Tage is a good example. Before he got hurt, his points per game, and especially his goals per game, were way down from last year, even though, you know, he's still creating chances. But his underlying stats overall, like, as a 200-foot guy, were, like, significantly better than they were in the past, which there was a lot of room to grow in that defensive side. So I was wondering if, the, just in generally, like, the Sabres, you know, this year, in the bottom half of the league in goals per game, but are improved in the other areas. Is that part of a league-wide trend? Do you think there's any difference in the league becoming more defensively minded this year? I just asked because I saw there was some discussion recently I saw on Twitter about uh, teams getting less dangerous chances this year, uh, generally. So do you see that at all? I think that's a good question. So I think the overall trend is still kind of a rise in quality, like shot quality in general. But I think that that is when you look at all of the teams, I think that it's specific to certain kind of stronger teams that are probably pushing that a little further. Now I, I should say, I haven't looked at I haven't dug into it too much this year. I want to say that XG is still, or expected goals are still kind of in line with kind of slightly rising um, or which is what we've seen over the last few years. Um, I think the Sabres are kind of in a weird spot because they, yeah, like I think last year, a lot of their success was from their offense, you know, and I think that that was the, um, you know, I, I think obviously everyone knows about, you know, Tage's like insane offensive year last year, um, but also like Skinner was quite good offensively. I think they got a lot of, uh, you know, and, and he's still kind of, you know, I'm trying to think who the other, who their offensive. And then also, I think the, the real thing I think has kind of been interesting is Darlene actually is a little bit lower than I was expecting, I think, in terms of his total contribution offensively. Um, and I think that's the one thing I've noticed with the Sabres this year is that they, like you mentioned, is that they're actually like very pretty solid defensively this year. Um, and they're goaltending. Like I don't even, I always, I just say UPL. I Luke and in, I, I can't, I, I can never go. Really, UPL is yeah. great. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's been actually surprisingly good. And, and the thing is that they just don't have the offense that they had last year. And I think that that is, I don't necessarily think I, I I wouldn't say that's a league wide trend. I think that's more just the Sabres have kind of struggled. And I, you know, I, I, I think there's probably a lot of reasons. I think you guys had mentioned something with like roster construction and the, you know, but I think also obviously like 
I offense offense can be somewhat fickle in terms of its year over year repeatability for certain players. And I think the way that it's, um, you know, like I like it's a good example is just Tage about how for years by our stuff, he was just one of the worst forwards in the league. And then out of nowhere, he basically kind of became this powerhouse, you know, top 20 score or whatever, you know, wherever he was. Um, but I think those those kind of trends also have their kind of reverting back to where they were a little bit as well. And I think we're seeing that with just a lot of the players. I think that's been the big thing I've noticed is their shot rates are their overall, um, I guess their, their shot attempts for, and their quality is like down is below average for compared to the league. I won't uh, attempt to act like I, I know the reason why that also is like, we're still fairly early in the season. So it's only, you know, I don't, I don't know where their games, but you know, probably around 20 games is still a quarter of the season. And I think there's a lot of, um, I think there's a lot of, usually we like to, you know, I, I think around now is when you can start to kind of make some uh, like early observations about what's, you know, going on with teams and whatnot. But the one thing that's really seems to be like you had already mentioned is that their goal scoring, just even their just their goal generation is way down, I think, compared to last year, which, you know, I, like I said, I would let you guys kind of act, you know, maybe answer the re for the reasons why, but they're also the underlying metrics. Like you said, their shot quality and shot attempts in general, especially at even strength are just down compared to the league, uh, which is, I think an interesting trend, but I think given their roster construction, it, it's, they seem like a lot of that was kind of tied to a few guys and those guys have kind of been uh, like either hurt or they've been underperforming like cousins is kind of down again, you know, and like you had meant, like, I think a lot of that, you know, I mean, Paterka has been fantastic this year. And I think that he's, you know, he's kind of, that's the, you know, I, I think that's, a, they have, they still have a lot of uh, bright spots as well, but I think overall they've just kind of not generated offense the way that I was kind of expecting or what they kind of had done last year. Well, as we're talking about not generating offense, you know, some of your points there just with regard to like shot quality and generation may speak to this a little bit, but you had mentioned it there with Dylan Cousins that he, I don't want to go as far as to say has taken a step back or anything like that, but it's been a really, really uninspiring start to the year. It, it, it feels as though the, you know, kind of play driving force that he was last year, really, it's just not the same guy there. You know, with this year coming into it, it felt like this was the year that we were really looking after last year was the year where Cousins kind of figured out the finishing touch, put up, I believe, like about 70 points last year, had a great offensive year for them. He, at the same time, though, has the profile or the physical attributes of a guy that you would think would be a great 200 foot player. And to start the year this year, it really doesn't feel like either of those things are happening. When you watch him on the ice, when you look at his underlyings, it's just, it's not clicking for him right now. So I, I'm curious your thoughts on Cousins as we're now in the early goings of this season, you know, each team roughly playing around 20 games right now. Is this something that you think is a legitimate cause for concern with him? Or is it a matter of he just needs to kind of play through it and he's going to figure it out eventually given his talent and age? Yeah, I think Cousins is a really interesting player. Like he's similar to, um, like this is kind of, I think on the same same kind of, I don't know, I, I guess the same theme of what I was talking about is he just had a breakout offensive year last year. But in the two prior years, um, he really hadn't generated offense that way at all. And I know that he, you know, I think from his draft pedigree and his like prospect, I, I'm not going to comment on where he was in terms of the overall uh, like what you know what his expectations were coming out of his draft but I think in general last year was very much out of normal for him and that would be the thing is I I it wouldn't it doesn't surprise me that he's having a down year I also have him on my fantasy team so I've, I've been having <laughs> been feeling that as well um, <laughs> but it's I, I think the thing is that it's 
like sometimes these like kind of bursts of offense are they can be a little random and they can be a little lucky or they can just be based on circumstance there's a lot of underlying things that that can really go into where those come from and i i generally like to see you know two or three years of of consistent offensive ability year over year before we can really kind of start to say okay yeah this guy you know is we're expected you know he's expected where i would expect him to be this kind of player i think young players specifically are can be very difficult to place a reason or or to have expectations on now generally because of the way that we know the players age and you know players who are on the early you know, younger side of the aging curve if you will um i think it is the expectation for me is that cousins is just kind of in a rut and he's struggling you know my team uh minnesota wild that's if people don't know that's that's kind of our you know our original uh fandom was the wild is they they're kind of dealing with a similar thing with matt boldy um is kind of off to a, a slow start and, and he's a guy who's actually been consistent in his offense but i think young players there's just some there, there can be ups and downs i think and i i would just expect him to uh you know i don't think he's going to be um, like this, you know, like this kind of uh, underperforming, if you will, but also it can be hard, I think, for some young players to get out of these kind of ruts, some, you know, and you just have to, th I think, let them play through it. But that's the one thing I think looking at the, the Sabres, like what I said, is that Cousins is a good example of a player who just really was a big force for them last year in terms of his offensive ability. And when you take that away, along with some of the other players uh, generating offense, uh, the way that they did, I, I just don't. It, it's tough for a for a team when everything else is held equal, but you just lose offense from some of your players. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it doesn't help that he has to play in a cage. Uh, it has yeah. been for like the last month or so because of his decision to. Brandon, who was that that he tried to fight and got his face mangled by? Uh, I'm forgetting right who now. Who was it? I'm blanking on it too. Yeah, it Someone did not go well though. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not. Um, I did want to ask specifically, you mentioned uh, about Darlene there, and he's actually another guy, another young guy, like Cousins, who had a, has a good pedigree, good, even better draft pedigree being a first overall pick. But he last year took a pretty big leap, and he'd been trending up basically since Ralph Kruger got fired. But it was a pretty tremendous leap last year from like, hey, this guy's doing really well offensively to like, this guy was top 10 in Norris voting. I don't remember exactly where he was. Uh, so I guess, what do you think of where Darlene's been so far? Do you think this is kind of a similar thing to Cousins? Yeah, I, I think Darlene is, is a really, I, I, he's just an interesting player because he obviously had, you know, like a bunch of hype. He was like, you know, top draft pick, all of these things. And it, it did take him a few years to develop into like what he was specifically last year, but just in general, it was a little bit slow. And then he, you know, and then I think specifically in 21, 22, and then last season, he really kind of came into a top, top pairing defenseman. Um, I think that, uh, I guess just like looking at it is that he last year actually had really great defensive results as well, I think from our stuff. And, and when I say our stuff, I don't know for your listeners, if you don't know, is usually I'm referring to our like kind of goals above replacement models and our regularized adjusted plus minus models on the site on evolving dash hockey. So that's generally what I'm talking about. Um, is that his defensive, his even strength defense last year was like quite good. This year it's been slightly below average, I think, or kind of like more middling than I think we, than I would have expected. But the de defensive, I think asked the part of his game was a little bit, never his strong suit. So I think that it's, I, I think that with Darlene is that I think the expectation would be that he's just kind of off to a slow start. And it's not like he's been bad. It's just that he has not really performed the way that we maybe would have expected after the last like two seasons. Uh, which is a little bit unfortunate. Again, 
can't really comment on, you know, I haven't watched a ton of Sabres games. I've, I, you know, I've watched a few here and there, but I, I can't say that I, I, I can comment on the reasons why just watching him, if he looks any different. Um, I think with, with Darlene is, I think he just has much more of a history of performing consistently. So I would expect this to kind of, you know, correct itself basically by the end of the year, because he is, he has just been a, one of the bad, better, you know, like arguably probably top 10, maybe, yeah, probably top 10 defensemen over the last like two years, I would say, or three years. And so I, I think just given his track record and like what he's done, like just in general performance, I, I think this year, this, this season is just off to a rough start. And I, I wouldn't expect that to really continue. Yeah, I, I did see. Oh, go ahead, Brandon. No, after you, Taylor. Oh, I was just going to say on Darlene, I've been thick. I was kind of disappointed uh, a little bit so far. And, it, but, you know, even today I was looking someone, I'm not even remembering who, but, uh, Someone had uh, with their model like uh, quarterway awards today that I saw on Twitter in different Ooh. awards belts, basically like quarterway through the season who deserved which awards. I honestly don't remember <laughs> which person it was, but I saw that Darlene was like seventh or eighth on their Norris belt. And I was like, ah, oh, maybe his start actually hasn't been that bad. Maybe I can uh, expect too much, but. Yeah, I mean, usually I, I was I was kind of like laughing there. I was like, oh, usually that's that's uh, Luke and I. We love to do uh, early season award picks and then have people get mad at us when we, uh, you know, just based <laughs> off our metrics. Um, I think I think the thing with Darlene is I would not have him anywhere close to like top ten in in terms of Norris. But I think that it's you know again that's like very early. Obviously, I I think that uh like just like i said i think just based on what he's done in the past this is just kind of a bit, a bit of an aberration i think that we would expect this to uh um to kind of turn around a lot of the i well we can get in on norris talk if you want i'm I'm down to, to talk that as well but <laughs> I, 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 I think yeah it's it's been a it's been a weird year but i think cousins has been it's not like he's been bad i just think that again this is like the general theme and like you guys already kind of mentioned this is that if you were to look at this team and say, oh, well, they didn't really do anything this offseason. They have the same basically team that they had last year. What is going on? Well, I think Darlene is another player like Cousins and Tage for different reasons and Jack Quinn for different reasons. Obviously, injuries have, have hurt, but um, they just aren't getting the offense that they got from them last year. And that's, per, I mean, just kind of doing a, a, a high overview before I kind of hop in on here and also just following the Sabres this year. They and even just watching them, I, I just don't feel like I've seen the offense that I saw last year or like kind of the offensive generation. I think the good thing is that, you know, we kind of have a, I think one of our, one of our uh, uh, trademarks, if you will, is that I really like defense. And I think seeing their defensive results is, is like good. Like that could, that's hard for, especially for a younger team. Um, now I don't want to say the Sabres are weird because they also have a lot of older players too. So they're kind of a mixture of like very like young kind of rising stars, if you will, or like, or like kind of, I mean, early 20s, you know, 20 year old skaters and those kind of players, it's, I like, it, it's a good sign when you get good defensive results from those kind of players, because that I generally tends to indicate that um, those are like the, the offense is what needs sometimes needs to develop in the NHL or both things do, I should say, but the defense is something that at a younger age, if you can learn that generally our models pick up on that as like a good, you know, I think one of the, like a good example is like Jack Hughes, who actually had some pretty solid defensive, you know, stats when he was really like in his first year or two, which are so young players who have good solid both like offensive and defensive metrics tend to rank out a little better, which I think in terms of projecting their growth overall, um, and I think seeing good defensive results uh, from younger players is is always a, a solid thing, I think. Middlestad is a good example of that, who kind of like had this, you know, a huge, like, you know, a lot of hype. There was a lot of like debate around, you know, where he should go in the draft and all of these things. And yes. And I think people were expecting him to be a big offensive player, but he's actually like by our stuff been like very solid defensively, which I think has kind of become 
a, a interesting thing about Middlestad is that I didn't expect based on the hype around him and like what everyone had talked about, that that's what he would turn into, but he's so far been very good defensively. So those things I think are just generally uh, like good things to see from younger players. Yeah, I love just, that. I'm just going to quickly self-correct. This was not a model. Actually, it was Jay Fresh having a poll. So oh, those okay. voters. So okay. yeah, I was, there was no model said Dowling was seven. No, but I think that's the, fans, the narrative, right? Love it. Yeah, fans. the narrative. <laughs> that's that's why we get in trouble because the narrative is always just like, you know, they pick the players that are expected to be that way, not necessarily based on what they've actually done. Um, so I, yeah, when we do it, we make people mad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I mean, it's, it's, it's mostly just like a different view of kind of how you could evaluate, you know, awards. And it, I think one fun thing that we, I think, is kind of the history of like sabermetrics or baseball. I don't know how much of, you know, baseball fans you guys are, but yeah, the history of war actually, or wins above replacement in baseball was also driven around better evaluating hall of fame placement and awards votings in general. So the history around it is really interesting because they, which is one of the kind of philosophical aspects of when we built our model is that we felt that if we build this, it should be able to also be used to evaluate like hall of fame or awards voting. And I think, the hockey hall of fame is different and we don't have data that goes back before 2007, like baseball does, where you can then go back and reevaluate players that, you know, like a good example, like Burt Blylevin, who was just like overlooked for most of his career, who ends up being like one of the best pitchers in baseball, like of all time, when you look at his historical stuff. So sorry, I could rant about this forever. I don't want to get up. I, I love it. Keep it going. No. <laughs> if you, if you um, ever want to get mad, by the way, go baseball reference has every, uh, every awards voting especially for mvps go to mvps in the 90s when people had some (laughs) stats but not obviously no indication of advanced stats and resort it by war yeah be like wow juan gonzalez really won multiple mvps with a war of like four and a half sorry ken griffey jr you only get one (laughs) career mvp but. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that that stuff really it's it's a trend in all sports is and you know it's it's about the the way that narratives function versus what the actual results are on the ice and like the way that we actually can about like the best or maybe the more ideal or efficient ways to evaluate players. I think looking at the difference between those is always fascinating and is something that uh Luke and I have both really enjoyed over the years. But there, yeah, there's there's some hard uh there's some how would I put this some people have their understanding of things that are very set in their in like how they view the game when those things aren't always the case and so when you challenge those things people kind of it's not I think it, the I think just stats in general have become more mainstream and have become more accepted than they were say six years ago or seven years ago when we first started getting into this in hockey back then though though also it was the, the environment's completely different because it was much more like this little like group of people and there was all this in group there weren't as many people who were into them and so you had you had this weird like kind of it almost felt like a small town like high school drama between a lot of twitter accounts a lot more because people just like left everyone alone and then everyone would argue all the time (laughs) now it's a lot more like oh these are just kind of normal now and so the environment's just changed a lot over the last like even just like three or four years which is kind of funny um we don't we don't tend to I think people are more open-minded when it comes to just the ways that we evaluate players. And I think the ways in which like, even just like kind of accepting something like expected goals, like, you know, something like that six years ago, that was just like, seemed like wild for a lot of people. Like, what the hell is this? Like, why am I even like, why do I even care about that? And then I think over the, over time, it's just, I think fans are getting smarter. I think a lot of journalists and institutions are using these things more in their, in their writing. Um, I think teams are talking about them. You see broadcasts using them and, so it's not, I think it's, people are now more like interested in like why they're, they're not as immediately like mad about something when you say, you know, they're like, oh, that's interesting. I'm irritated by it, but I can kind of, you know, 
uh, understand that. Let me let me try to learn more. Well, as we're talking about the different ways to evaluate players, I think this uh, applies particularly to one player on the Sabres, especially as of late, and that's Owen Power. I think he is very, I would say that the fan base, I think unfairly, incorrectly, however you want to put it, has been very divisive on him this season. He has his fair share of critics of people who I think are placing a lot of the Sabres struggles on him and particularly his defensive play in his own zone. I, for me personally, I mean, he's a young player. He's only in a second full season right now. Sure. A guy of his age and playing the position at a high level at, at his age, with his experience, of course, you are going to have some bumps in the road. Of course, you are going to have some mistakes that are going to be made. But overall, I, I feel like I'm kind of, and I think Taylor feels this way too. I feel like when I see some of this, this narrative, I, I kind of feel like I'm going crazy a little bit because I don't think he's been that bad. I, I mean, sure. Like you're not going to get like prime Nicholas Yarmelson out of him in like the defensive zone or something like that. But really you're continuing to see a lot of the things that are the calling cards in his game that make him the special player that he is, whether it's his vision, whether it's ability, his ability to, you know, facilitate a breakout out of the zone to make stretch passes um, you know, whatever it may be of those things, I feel like I'm still continuing to see them, but still understanding the context of like, okay, yeah, this is a, a young kid who is maybe having a little bit of growing pains in his second season. In the grand scheme of things, when you rank what the Sabres' problems are as to why they are in the standings where they are right now and why the season has gone where it has, it feels like he's pretty far down the list right now. So Josh, give me a little bit of insight on Owen power, his start to this year and just in general, his trajectory for you guys. Yeah. I mean, I, we've always really liked, I think Owen power, even just from a young, I think, uh, I mean, I guess this is just his, his, uh, let's see, I'm trying to remember. Let me just check. Yeah. He, I mean, he's only, he's, he has, I don't know. I think he's just got to hundred games. I think played. Yeah. Just uh, recently. Like I think just around there. So, and a lot of that was, you know, last season, I power has been an interesting one because, I, and I don't want to get too technical here, but we have two separate models that we often use for like a general war purpose. We have or a garb kind of goals above replacement. There's our, their standard goals above replacement model and our expected goals above replacement model, which are two separate frameworks that evaluate players, I think in different ways. Um, and power has been one of the, you know, kind of odd players who ranks differently, like pretty different between the two of them. Um, I think our expected goals model also has a shooting component, which I, I think takes new it. It's a different way of evaluating offense where our standard goals above replacement model just takes into account like the events that happen when a player is on the ice while also accounting for the teammates they played with the opposition that they played against the different score states different zone starts all of these things. Um, I, the difference has been so it's hard sometimes to kind of suss out like the why the reasons for the difference but I think to your point initially is that power has been one of their better players I think this year. Um, I think he's been really solid. Again, you know, this is it's it's a funny trend, I think, with the Sabres because they just have so many young players who are like so promising, right? I mean, I think it's is he still 21? Um, I think I want to uh, say so, yeah. And yeah. he's just like so young for you know, for a defensive, you know, I and I think what has he been mostly on the second pair this year? Um yep. yeah, and so it's like, and I'm not I I I can't really speak to how much power play time he's been getting or if he's been on their second unit, I'm assuming. Yes. Um, yeah. So I, I just think like he's got a lot of upside. I think there's a lot of differences in terms of how one can evaluate his results. I think last year, um, his, uh, his, you know, 
a, a lot of his value came from his his offense last year, and he he struggled a little bit defensively, but I think he more than made up for that in in his offensive, you know, a, I guess generation and his ability to kind of assist the play um, and and drive just general quality overall. Uh, and I don't, I wouldn't say that power is the problem in any way for Buffalo. I think that he really rounds out the defensive group. I think that having him uh, and Darlene together along with, you know, just like kind of generally, like that's a really good start to a defensive core that I think is, they're both young. Power is still, like I said, 21. And so I think giving him time to just develop and like learn kind of the, his role and like what the team wants from him, I think as well, um, is, is just a, it's going to take some time, but he, he's been totally solid this year. It's, it, it, he's not like running away with the Norris, if you will. Um, I'm not sure if anyone really expected that, but I think from a overall, just like ability this year, he's, he's definitely produced, I think, you know, with inline. Yeah. I find with power, this is true of some players, but for me more than anyone on the Sabres right now, it kind of reminds me of while well, like 13 or so years ago, uh, maybe even more than that, young Andre Sakara, who I hated at first <laughs> as a Sabres fan and then grew to really like and then regretted that they traded him away for basically nothing. I think the, th- the I don't think they're similar players. I think they had this in common, which was that they the things they do right for the most part are pretty quiet, just small little plays over and over again that are the right decision or winning a battle that you might not even notice, whereas their mistakes tend to be loud. And Power has had the misfortune this year of, I think, on two different occasions, basically assisting on an opposing team's goal. And that's enough to make up for, like, 2,000 things you do right in people's minds. I think that's part of it. It's so funny how that theme just comes up over and over and over again among fans. It's like you you can just – fans really – they really latch on to the mistakes. And I think specifically with young defensemen, I mean, the number of times I've seen, even with the Wild – with their younger players, like when, especially their defensemen when they were younger, like Dumba, Matt Dumba is a really good example, or uh, Addison even, who was just traded to the Sharks, uh, was, I I think that the players who are, I think more like, I don't know, how do I put this? I think from a trend, uh, specifically with defensemen, there's, I think a lot of the time, there's an expectation that defensemen need to be responsible that they can't take risks they can't like try to like do you know do anything that would potentially put them in a in a ability to allow a chance or something but i think that pushing offensively for defensemen a lot of the time looks like it opens players up to make mistakes more and i think especially from younger players they have to kind of learn the balance between driving play and becoming part of the the offensive you know push when you're in the offensive zone but also being able to kind of like know when you need to pull back or when you need to kind of take you know take it your when you need to kind of be in position to to you know like stop uh you know to hold the zone those kind of things right and it's just a really funny trend that comes up all the time especially with younger players but younger defensemen specifically is that whenever they make a mistake those are like for a lot of people get tracked on a list in their head even if they're not really thinking about it it's like oh he did this thing and then he did this thing and he did this thing so therefore he's terrible when like well you know i think that the trade-off there is well he's probably potentially making those mistakes because he's trying to to drive play if you will or he's he's taking more of a chance in the offensive zone to kind of push the quality that he's generating on the ice or his teammates are so it's an interesting balance i think because yeah like you said exactly it's like you oftentimes i think it's it's almost like a bias where we see something that we don't like and then that's the thing that sticks in our head and not the other you know 100 or 200 things that they're doing well um it's it's just funny a funny trend that seems to come up every year with younger defensemen 
So actually, Josh, tying in the point that you were making there with something that we were talking about earlier, I'm going to ask this both specific to the Sabres, but I guess it really does apply to like a broader, just like team scale. There you were talking about how, in the case of a defenseman, that maybe if they're more offensively inclined or they're trying to push offense a little bit more, that it comes at the expense of defense. In the case of the Sabres, we're talking about how they have improved team defense, but the scoring is back a little bit. Do you feel as though that this could be a case where because there's more of an emphasis on team defense, that's taking away from the scoring that we saw last year? Or is it just a matter of the shots aren't falling? I, I think it's a, probably a combination of both. I think it, a lot of this, and and again, I won't, I can't really speak to system stuff or like the way that the coaches sure. have kind of been deploying like players. I, I haven't, you know, and I'm not an expert by that by any means. Like I, I wouldn't really know the first place to start outside of, you know, attempting to kind of evaluate from a scouting standpoint. But um, I, I think it's, it's hard, especially in 20 games, it's hard to really say that there's a problem like that. It couldn't just be tied to like, oh, they just have been getting unlucky. I think one thing is that a little bit concerning is that they, they aren't generating, I think the shot, just raw shot totals that they were last year. And I think they're not, which I, it's, I think the, the link between offense and defense from a skater standpoint, I think is always really fascinating because a lot of those, um, you see players who, uh, a lot of the time they're, you know, like some, some of their defensive results are driven because they're just pressing so hard offensively and they're so good at maintaining the zone or not allowing their team in the zone that they're, it's not like they're defending well. I mean, they might be, but a lot of times it's just that they're so good, you know, like Matthew Kachuk comes to, you know, is a great example of this, or even Austin Matthews, where they're just so dominant at getting the puck and kind of maintaining the zone and just kind of generating offense in a way that, and yes, they're very good defensively, but I think in general, a lot of it is the fact that they're just kind of holding the zone and they're not, you know, so I think it's, but sometimes it is like there's players like, you know, defensive defensemen who are put in positions where they're asked, you know, their team isn't particularly great and they're asked to kind of limit the quality. You know, I think the wild have done that for like at least years ago, you know, I mean, Brodine is a good example of that he's not a great off, you know, he's not an offensive generator, but he's really a very solid shutdown defenseman. And I think it, the, the difference there is, is um, it's kind of around systems and like what the team is attempting to do. And I think that, my hunch with the Sabres is that they're still kind of trying to, I guess, come into their identity. Like what kind of team do they want to be? It wouldn't surprise me if they have a focus this year on like, they wanted to be better defensively, especially with like a young goaltender that they may have wanted to try to have as their number one this year. Like that seems like it would be a realistic, you know, like thing that could have happened from the Sabres is like, they were focused more on, on defense and they kind of expected that, you know, they would get kind of the offense that they had last year from, you know, and again, like what I've already said is that, you know, missing like, assuming that Tage is still kind of what he was last year and his offense is going to come. And then you have, you know, you know, production from cousins and you also get production from Quinn and you have Skinner who's still solid Tuck is we haven't even talked about Tuck, but he's still been pretty solid too. I, I think that it's, it wouldn't surprise me that they've tried to put maybe a little more focus on defense, but you guys would be able to speak more to that from just watching the games more than I have. Um, so I, yeah, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing to think I evaluate how teams are, changing their play style or if they are or if they even know what they're doing uh <laughs> like i'm not saying that not saying the sabers the sabers i think have a good enough uh team in place that they they would know what they're doing but it's still a question that we find ourselves asking from time to time is like does this team even really like know what they're doing <laughs> yeah no i mean their team defense you can tell it's it's drastically improved and i think it's you know from obviously the team perspective but also on an individual basis it is i mean you talking before about how middle stats defensive game has improved i i agree with that 
And it's interesting because, I mean, my God, it's a far cry from how he used to be there. Then you look at, for example, a guy like Zach Benson, who is so good at such a young age in his own zone and how smart he is with using his stick to disrupt plays, to disrupt passing lanes. It's, it's remarkable to see. I mean, obviously you have other guys like Tuck, for example, who's a really good 200 foot player traditionally. And even they have some sneaky good ones too. Taylor and I recently talked about it. I I'm, I would love to know what your number, what like some of the models say, cause I haven't checked recently this season, but Jeff Skinner is a guy that I think kind of has like sneaky good defensive play I don't know necessarily like I said this season how the numbers back that up but he's the kind of guy that in his own zone sure maybe he'll have the irresponsible play here or there but similar to Benson he is so good with his stick with disrupting plays disrupting rushes you know if the puck is being cycled he's he's really good at interrupting that play and he's just like a pest out there and and he's just somebody that I, I feel like has this reputation of being you know a pure offense guy just because of how good his five on five scoring has been historically throughout his career that you would think that oh okay well this is a a smaller guy who scores a lot translate that to not very good at defense when in reality it feels like he's one of those guys where it's like a little play here and a little play there make the difference and then boom you're in transition out of the zone yeah i don't want to i guess from our stuff he still doesn't grade out that great defensively Yeah, um, no, that's fair. I, that's fair. Yeah, I think that he has, for, especially with Buffalo, like, and I, this is not all that different from what he was with the Hurricanes, but I, I just think he's his real value is is his offense, and sure. I think he does. You know, I those it's interesting those kind of players. I think who like they, I think sometimes there's, and this I, I think happens to me all the time is that you look you watch a player and you're like, oh that that's a good, you know, they made a good defensive play or they did this thing, you know, they're, they're just like you said, like a pass or they're, you know, but there might be some kind of things that might be hard for us as viewers to like watch and say, Oh, that was like actually a pretty dangerous thing they allowed or they, the mistake they made really. Like, I think those, like, I think our, the models that we use generally are, I, you know, and I think part of it is that we've been doing this for a long time. So I kind of like watch for these things. Cause I know that the models are going to pick up on these things. Like, Oh, it's like, Oh, that, that shot was like really close and it came off a turnover. Like that's, that's not the best kind of thing to, to be allowing. I think Skinner though, I think is, is interesting. Cause what is he like? I don't even know how old is he? 30. I think 31, 31. I was going to say 30, 32, somewhere in that range is what I thought, but um, he's still like one of the better defensive or I mean, offensive players for the Sabres. And uh, even though he's still got, what does he have like three years left on his contract? Um, I, you know, I, or after I, this, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. After this, just trying to remember how long that, <laughs> long ago that was, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, he's been, I mean, he's a big piece for them. I think just in terms of just his offensive building, he's still been one of their better offensive players this year. But yeah, I don't, I mean, I'm not to just completely say, no, you're wrong, but he's, he's never really graded out that great from our stuff defensively. Uh, yeah. I'm not saying that he's Patrice Bergeron or like oh, no. Couturier or anything like that. Yeah. I'm just saying that he's somebody that I think he has like a very bad rep when it comes to it. And understandably. So, like I said, he's not like a defensive minded player or anything like that, but yeah. he's somebody that while I surely see the mistakes, I also see a good amount of those little plays where I'm like, damn, that's not a play that a guy that is just like a complete and utter crater defensively yes. like makes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Right. Anyway, yeah. I should apologize too. I I've lost sun. I've lost sun, uh, the sunshine here. So I'm now my, half my face is dark. So I, it's all right. It's very mysterious. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I think we definitely have some more stuff to talk about, but real quick, I wanted to take a break to talk about our sponsors. Um, so for starters, the, 
This podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. So, for example, one line that's available Thursday night, tonight probably, if you're listening to this, the Sabres are taking on the Blues in St. Louis. Uh, they are minus 230. So they're definitely underdogs going into that. Very interesting season the Blues are having so far. Uh, the Western Conference is a disgrace. Anyway, download the app now and use code THPN. New customers can get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER if it's at www.1800gambler.net and you are call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit p- sorry, ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 and over, but age will vary by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2023. All rights reserved. Folks, it's almost December. So it's not too early to start decorating for the holidays. And of course, it's never too early to start your holiday shopping. Why not take care of it now before the crowds and the packed calendars make shopping a total nightmare, especially when you can get some of the best deals of the season right now. You can st- you can shop Raycon products right now and save up to 50% off because their early Black Friday sale is going on now. You've heard me talk about Raycon's products before. Our good pal Ray J has made quite a number of incredible products in a number of fields, especially audio. And that's where Raycon first made a name for themselves in the audio space. The products like Everyday Earbuds, known for delivering high-quality and thoughtful features, like a 32-hour battery life, and a perfect in-ear fit for all-day wear and lasting comfort. In this past year, they expanded their entire business with the introduction of Raycon Home and Raycon PowerTech. Their five-star-reviewed Magic 180 cable allows you to charge iOS, micro-USB, and Type-C devices eight times faster with 100-watt power delivery. And their faucet filter ultra-filters the water in your tap against chlorine and heavy metals. It's a must-have for ensuring the water you use to wash your face and brush your teeth is actually clean. Raycon is known for delivering high-quality and thoughtful features at half the price of other premium tech brands. It's no wonder their products have racked up tens of thousands of five-star reviews. To get everyone in the holiday shopping spirit a bit early, Raycon is currently offering 20% off everything on their site with select products up to 50% off. So beat the crowds and save now. Trust me, you do not want to miss out on Raycon's early Black Friday sale. Hurry now to buyraycon.com slash THPN to get 20 to 50% off site-wide. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 50% off Raycon products. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. All right, folks, back to the podcast. Brendan. Taylor. What do you want to address next, uh, topic-wise? <laughs> what do I want to address? Josh, I want to address the allegations. <laughs> we got to talk about it. No, I uh, we have a, a bit more to talk about. I mean, I, I do want to talk a little bit more specifically about some players, but there was one thing that you and I had talked about last episode, Taylor. Josh and I were talking about a little bit before we started recording that I wanted to bring up because I do think that 
while we may not have necessarily like a concrete answer to it one way or another, I do think that Josh's insight on this would be valuable. And that would be the role that the Sabres analytics team plays on like a day-to-day basis. We had talked about the one tweet that was made the rounds earlier this week or I should say late last week with regards to the fact that the Sabres of course have one of the best analytics departments in all of the league. I I mean, I think that's, that's pretty clear with just some of the minds that they have, you know, within the team right now, that being of course, a a couple of Josh's buddies and Sam Ventura and Dom Gallimini. The, the, the thought that the tweet had posed was, it just in light of Don Granado's recent lineup choices, deployment, who's getting ice time, who's getting sat, how many, how much ice time during a game is somebody getting? What are the matchups that this person is getting? It feels like a lot of the decisions that Granado has been making are not necessarily consistent with what the analytics are telling us. And somebody had posed to what degree are these numbers and this data being used and integrated with the the lineup decisions that are being made or is it something that's strictly just like for draft models for example like so josh with that being said obviously we none of us here know the inner workings of the sabers front office and analytics department of course it is impossible for teams to even release that information in the first place even like a crumb of that However, I I am just kind of curious, you know, as somebody that is such a prominent voice in this space, what do you make of, of that thought? Like, do you feel as though that the, whether it's the Sabres or any other team for that matter, really are integrating a lot of this data into, you know, like the micro sense in a, in a night to night lineup decision and deployment kind of way, or is it more so this broader stuff, whether it's for like, you know, scouting and uh, off season moves, draft models, what have you, where do you kind of land on that? Yeah, I think so. Also, first of all, I should shout out my, my good buddy, Matt Barlow as well. Who's in the, in the, in the analytics team with shout out Matt, my bad. bad. No, 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 it's fine. I just, you know, he's also like a great, uh, great mind that I think the Sabres have as well, you know, but uh, I think in terms of the, um, the overall, so like you like you mentioned is that i i don't i don't know how the sabers are actually like you know what their what their analytics team or their stats team is doing i think from a day-to-day so i can only speculate on kind of like my assumption about it but i think with generally with i think if you quote unquote analytics if you will um there's a lot of so there's a lot of things that go into it i think in general the smart smart teams would be using every piece of data and every kind of in every way that they could for every aspect of of a hockey organization so i think by you know it from a from a, an ideal scenario you would have something that would be looking at you know roster construction and then also like player acquisition and also drafting and also maybe even coaching and different kind of roles for players all of these things i think it's not just one or the other i think for a lot of for a lot of teams that are kind of in on this hard they're they're you know i guess they're fully bought in. And I think especially with teams having access to a lot of the player tracking data now that we're getting a couple of years into, um, I think teams are going to start being able to kind of like pull a lot of things out of the tracking data just because of the resources they're there that are made allow, uh, made available to them. Um, my hunch is that I think, again, like kind of what we talked about at the start of the show is that the, the Sabres are, you know, I, I, one thing is I think, and we can even look at this with Seattle, who's got a really great stats team as well, you know, in their front office is it takes time to build these things out. I mean, even, and, and, you know, so for example, for like Luke and I, who kind of have, you know, we've evolving hockey, we have the site. It, it took us several years to even get 
a couple different pages, you know, to metrics and models built. I mean, you have to, to get the infrastructure in place. And I'm trying to think how long the full team has been in Buffalo, but has it even been three years? I think it's been two years, right? Like I want to say it was like around two years ago that they started the, they made these hires. Maybe it was three years ago. Um, but- I, Brandon, I want to say it was before the 2021, 22 season that they brought a lot of those guys in and even during the season. Yeah. Like it was that kind of stretch there where they didn't have a full front office that and they were hiring people. So the thing is that I think it, it, my hunch is that it just also like some people expect results right away, but especially building out models or building like kind of creating infrastructure, all of these things take time. And so the other thing is that also to keep in mind is that it's not like the Sabres were in a great spot when they brought in these, these guys, right? I mean, they were, they were still, uh, there was a lot of kind of ramifications of mismanagement, miscoaching, all of these things, I think, but that were, so it's like with an NHL team, I think a lot of times you have to almost think about it like a city, like how, how cities change is it takes time because there's so many people involved. There's so many different people who have an opinion. There's so many different ways that a team could go and who says what and what the actual like, you know, there's one thing is like the stats guys can say one thing, but ultimately the GM or the, the, the actual, you know, front office is the one who's making the decision. So it's hard to really know who's like saying what I would assume because they have such a good team and they, they specifically brought in those guys that they're, they're involving them quite a bit. And I think from some of the interviews, I think with Sam, right, it seems like they're very integrated in this thought process with the Sabres overall, but the Sabres are still in a weird spot right now where they have some there's still some lingering issues from the previous regime, if you will, right? There's still some stuff that's 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 in place. And I think that it, it takes time, I think, for teams to really kind of develop into a like a, a well-oiled machine that has all of the stats integrated and has a fully, you know, like I, I think a good example is someone like called like the Avalanche, for instance. It they brought on Dawson Springens years ago. Um, and then it, it took them four or five years to really kind of build out a, like kind of this team that we that we've that we've come to see. Same thing with the Lightning. I mean, they were one of the first teams that was in on kind of the hires, if you will. And they also some of this has to do with like a little bit of luck in terms of like the players you get and how they pan out, you know, but um, it just takes time, I guess, is my point. So I, I would I would assume just based on the, the people they brought in and some of the stuff the team has said that they're really building out a, a fully integrated um kind of entire network of of kind of trying to to have all of these all of this data and all of the metrics in integrated but again i i don't know this is all just speculation you know i yeah i'm i i i know these guys a little bit um you know some better than others but it's it's not like any of them are saying hey this is what we're doing and of course you know, this, yeah. you know what i mean like <laughs> and i think the i mean I, of course the premise of it just being like an off season or draft thing is mm-hmm. far fetched but it does well, make it, you wonder yeah. a little bit, though, you know, it yeah. does when, oh, when yeah. it's like night after night, a team that is in a I don't want to say do or die, but it's like playoffs or bust this year, I think should yeah. be the expectation, you know, however far off they may or may not be. It's like, you know, you've been here for this long. You've built the talent. You were a point away from yeah. getting in over the team that made it to the Stanley Cup finals last year. You were one point. Yeah. <laughs> away from that like you're there you're it's enough like and taylor has like made the joke a few times that that like middle pack of the eastern conference that are all in the wild card race that like eight to ten teams it's like the mid-off of the century like <laughs> you're right there you can do this you yeah. can do this <laughs> and i think what's funny is that the expert i think that i 
having been obviously like we we have like we have a lot of Sabres fans or uh, fans that we follow and that we're friends with on Twitter and it's so I have a bit of a kind of a, uh, a gauge on where the fandom is but I I think a lot of it is just tied to the fact that I look so much at our models that I didn't my expectations for the Sabres this year were like oh, they might get close I don't think they're very good yet but they're going to be good it's just this year I don't think was the year for it um, I know that they were a point away last year and they have a lot of there's a lot of upside with their players uh, in terms of like things that could have gone that could still there's still 60 games left in the season that still could go right. Right. I mean, there's still a chance. I think we have, like I said, them at like about a 25 percent chance to make the playoffs. And a lot of that has to do with where, you know, the other teams end up. Um, but I, I think, yeah, the Sabres are I, it's just funny because I saw I'm sure there were fans as there are in any any uh, any fan base that were have expectations of the playoffs having uh every year and having followed and been a big fan of the wild uh who have their ownership and organization has pushed to make the playoffs every single year which they actually pretty much have done for the last 10 years uh i mean that hasn't really panned out great either right, right. i mean like there's diff there's a different way to like there's different ways to think about you're at you, like what how you're how you're trying to compete or build for the future the wild are a good example of a team that had a directive that said we need to make the first round every year that was and that's been basically reported is that was leopold's expectation with the team so that's what the gms you know that's what the gms have done is they push to make the playoffs every year and uh like they've won i think like one series or two series i mean like it's it's kind of like it, at this point it's it's actually more demoralizing to watch them make the playoffs every year and then lose in the first round because so it's like in a way i would have almost rather that they don't have that directive they take some time off you know maybe they it wouldn't be tanking i mean it might be but they're getting a better draft position they're building better players they're kind of trying to develop the younger stars without like focusing as much on making the playoffs and bringing in guys that are stronger but while also like pushing your younger players away out so there, I don't know. I could rant about this for a while, but I don't necessarily think this is a problem with the Sabres. Like, I think a lot of it is is it's just kind of learning pain, and it's like a lot of young players who are coming in and trying to figure out the best way. And you know, obviously, the systems have to kind of get integrated, and you have to kind of build a team around it. But I don't think it's a bad thing that the Sabres are not maybe in a playoff spot, or they're not going to maybe make the playoffs this year because it just gives them another year to develop guys and and make some you know more informed decisions that I think are better long term for the team. Well, yeah, definitely. Considering... I mean, oh, I was going to say our the Sabres history pre uh, full season lockout was very similar to the wild. Now, granted, it was easier to make the playoffs back in the day, like a yeah. much higher percentage of teams did. But mm -hmm. the Sabres only missed the playoffs three times between 1974 and 2002, I want to say. <laughs> Wait, and, really? Yeah. yeah two, wow. and two of them were two years in a row in the 80s. They just they always made the playoffs. And that was partially a hashing thing. But before yeah, that, yeah. it was just that they, you know. It, it was hard to miss the playoffs. 16 to 21 teams made it in the that's 80s. So. Yeah, I guess that. Yeah, that's but true. <laughs> they went a whole 10 years there. There's a 10 year run where they like they didn't win a series. So they mm -hmm. made it eight. I think it was seven of the nine years in that span, but lost in the first round every time and then immediately turned around and lost in the first round again the next year. And I think, Brendan, if I'm not mistaken, after 1980, they didn't make a conference final till 98. So they, yeah, it was kind of the similar thing. So we're, 92 was the semis, right? Wasn't it? They lost, it was pitch 93. Lost. They lost in the 93, second I mean? round. Yeah. Oh, second yeah. round. Yeah. 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 So like, yeah, we, we were kind of familiar with that. That's like weirdly though. Cause that's now that's the good old days since yeah. they haven't made the playoffs in 13 straight seat or what is it? 11 straight seasons that it's kind of funny now looking back at that, like, and damn, I missed losing in the first and second round. 
It's the difference is the 12 seasons, out, right? Taylor. <laughs> it's 12 oh. goddamn seasons. Well, that's, that's the right. thing. So I'm speaking from a wild fan who's watched playoff hockey for like every year for the last like decade or whatever. And yeah, it's, I'll take it's, a first round exit, Josh. I, I know that's <laughs> what I'm saying is like, it's the opposite. It's like, I'm just saying, I don't want them to make the playoffs anymore. If I'm actually a fan, I want them to just like have a couple years off where they just are like, okay, we got to refigure this out. I mean, the, the team is never going to do that. They're going to keep pushing. But it's it's funny because I understand the sentiment from Sabres fans who haven't seen a playoff game in, you know, 12 years or whatever it is, right? Like, everyone wants that, you know. And I think for me, having been obviously, like, removed over here in Minnesota, it's not like I – like, I don't have that kind of feeling about the Sabres. I, I think it's more that I think they're on a good path. I think they have a lot of really good – you know young players that are developing and i think it's not bad that they're potentially still going to be kind of struggling this year to kind of figure it things out but uh yeah it, it's funny because it's just like at this point i'm just sick of watching minnesota teams lose in the playoffs uh i mean that's yeah. the only thing I've ever, that's the only thing i've ever done my whole life is watch my team my favorite teams lose in the playoffs i've never seen one of my favorite teams win a championship at all not Neither have we. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it, it, i i get it i 100 percent get it because yeah i was joking that like it was the 70s and 80s honestly we were there right before this playoff drought like after Breer and jury left the sabers like 08 09 2010 2011 20 so, so five seasons where they either lost in the first round or the ninth or tenth team in the east so like yeah and, and only one of the seasons when miller won the vesna where they they were a three seed they're actually good seed their seasons they were between seven and twelve or seven and ten and i think by like the middle of the lockout short in 2013 season everyone wanted to rebuild i think people thought it would be over before the, the decade mark but you know and, and I, oh, did they? Oh, yeah. Oh, did they rebuild? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I actually 100% agree on the Minnesota thing. We've talked about like we, the Wild weirdly a lot, lot on our podcast, considering we only play them twice a year. Yeah. But it's just I'm not the only person to point this out, but I find them to be like kind of a fascinating franchise, just because I, if I'm not mistaken, they've never finished top five or bottom five. Yes. Uh... And, I'm trying to remember exactly. They won the division one year. They they mm-hmm. they were pretty strong, I think, in the peak of like the Fletcher years when they had Parisi and Suter who were still performing really well. And they also had like prime like Jared Spurgeon and their, you know, overall their whole defensive group was like really solid with some really good depth. Um, you know, the yeah, they've they've never been bad, uh, really. I mean, like you can that's subjective. You can define how you, you know, each person is gonna have a different view of what bad is, but but you know, objectively, they and I think you're right, is I don't think they've ever finished bottom five. I I thought one year they were I, you know, I, I think they had a year where they were on pace to potentially like like to compete for the president's trophy, but I don't think they did. My my wild uh history is kind of, you know, my brain is a little mush with uh kind of all of the things that have changed since I've been watching the team. I don't oh, yeah. remember the full as I'm sure you guys can 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 appreciate is like all of the different stats. But yeah, the team they and I don't we don't need to talk too much about the wild, but they're still I think they're in just they're a really interesting team because they had their like one of the last teams that's still feeling the ramifications of like those crazy like 13 year deals that were allowed before the CBA oh, changed. Yeah. We just talked about this on our podcast, which is funny, like kind of reminiscing about how uh new jersey tried to sign kovalchuk for 17 years and the league said no no you can't do that and but then 15 years was okay i guess 15 years was enough for the nhl that that (laughs) uh and then also just yeah like with the you know the twin deals with the 13 years for suitor and parisi and then the wild have now all these years later they have 15 million in dead cap this year and next i think um they're just a really weird team that i think has uh 
like they've never really had like a huge top prospect other than Kaprizov, who was like, I think a fifth round pick who just kind of came out of nowhere for a lot of, I think a lot of ways. Um, and, you know, so I think just some, some lingering things about the previous uh, organizations with Fletcher, obviously for years was there. And he, I think actually made some pretty good moves for the most part. I was always like a little bit more of a Fletcher truther, if you will, than a lot of people said now with the flyers, he's been weird, but the flyers are weird. So, um, and then Fenton, I mean, Paul Fenton was like an absolute hilarious saga with the wild. <laughs> you know, it was, it was something. And now, yeah, they have Garen and they have, you know, just to really, I think a lot of it is, I think the wild are, if anyone, I think one of the things that I always kind of remind myself with the wild is that you can kind of know who is in an organization, who the coaches are, who the stats guys are, but you don't really know who's being listened to or who's making the decisions or the direction that the team is going and what, what their actual like mentality is. So like you could have guys in and no one listens to them, or they could be completely overpowering. And I think with the wild, a lot of that is like, they there's been reported more or less is that I think ownership, I think a lot of people overlook the fact that ownership a lot of the time has a big say in like what a team does and ownership might not give, a, you know, they might not care at all about what the guys below them are saying, you know, who knows? Like, I think it's, it's hard for us as fans that don't have a look inside the room to really know exactly why the decisions are made, which is a good reminder for me sometimes is to think, yeah, they might have this guy who's really smart in their stats department, but, and he might be telling everyone there, like they should do this, but if he's never listened to, right then like that he doesn't you don't know if he actually if, if those guys or them you know if anyone there has any say so um yeah it's interesting i think the wild are a good example like i don't know who knows <laughs> yeah they, they, like i think uh i guess my main point is of uh, pushing to make the playoffs every year is i think the wild are a good example of why that's not a very good strategy for the most part um is yeah. that you always be like kind of fringe like top three in your division maybe maybe a year or two you might have built something and you might win the division or challenge for it but or is it really the kind of team that's going to make it far in the playoffs? Is it the strongest team? I think the wild had maybe two years there where they had a chance to potentially make a run in the playoffs. If I'm being honest, um, I think they, a lot of things came together well, but uh, that didn't last very long. And then they've still been trying to hold on to making the playoffs every year. Um, and yeah, it's uh, I think they kind of need to take a hard look at things and figure out where they're at. Um, but sorry, I could ramble about the wild. <laughs> oh, this is great. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what though. I'm I mad. actually, I, 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 mentioned this 100 times last season on the podcast i picked them to win the cup last season in our season <laughs> preview episode yeah. uh which i'm sure you remember two years ago they had like 110 points yep. and they scored a ton of goals and i was like you know what i don't want to just be one of those guys that's going to pick colorado because that yeah. was the obvious pick to, to repeat <laughs> and i wasn't i was going to pick carolina to come out of the east so i was like i don't want them to win so the wild they have a goalie who has a history of getting hot in the playoffs and this time, yeah, he'll finish the job and <laughs> they'll score as much as they did. And they won't be like the, uh, I don't know what they were last year, like the eighth seed yeah. or whatever, seventh, seventh, I, I guess the first yeah. wild card. I'm, so, yeah, I think so. I, think I was wrong. Was. Yeah. I mean, well, and it's not a bad bet with Kaprizov being how good he was right out of the gate. Right. I mean, he's struggled this year a lot. Um, but, uh, like they've also like, I think last year was Gustafson was like kind of insane for them. Like they've, and then this year he's not, he's been the opposite, uh, which, and we haven't even talked about the Sabres goaltending, but I, you know, I don't, that's a subject we could talk about <laughs> later. Um, yeah, the wild, I mean, they're, they're a weird team. They've always been weird and they're, uh, there's a lot of fans here though. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about goaltending. Why don't we, as we <laughs> mentioned at the top of the episode, Devin Levi sent down to Rochester, which, is 
undoubtedly the right move here. Even aside from the slow start that he was on, it was completely unrealistic coming into this season, thinking that a 21-year-old would be able to do something that is so, and this is the phrase that we have been using repeatedly, historically unprecedented for a player of his age with his lack of experience at the professional level. It's it's just repeatedly happened over and over again where guys get an early taste like that. And while he did look good and, and his uh, seven-game stint last year, it's so rare that you are able to have somebody of that age be able to do that. I think that's something coming in too early is something that the Flyers dealt with with Carter Hart, uh, somebody that we talked about that had a really weird career, but I think is in a similar vein to this is like Steve Mason, for example. But then you even go before that and it's like you're going back to like the the 80s and 90s when goalies were that young and getting to have full starters workloads at that point. Going into the season and asking a 21 year old to be able to rip 45, 50, 51, 52 games, whatever it may be, was just very unrealistic. I would say probably wouldn't say this now with how well UPL is playing, but if he wasn't playing this well, I think it's borderline reckless to head into a year with that. And it's setting him up for failure ultimately, because they didn't really do anything to make the team better around him. Connor Clifton and Eric Johnson aren't going to get it done to help you overcome those problems of, of, you know, ultimately having a a 21 year old in net. Now, as we talked about though, UPL incredible start to the year relative to what we've seen from him. He has a 918 save percentage right now. He's clearly taken over as the number one goalie on this Sabres team being backed up by Eric Comrie right now. So Josh, looking at those three guys, obviously Levi is more about the long-term here, but what do you make of the Sabres goaltending situation? Well, I think it was funny. So heading into the season, uh, I, Luke and I were both fairly, vo- uh, not vocal, but at least in our podcast, I think on Twitter a little bit is I was very skeptical of, of going with Levi, like for the number one, because like, I think the only, I'm trying to think, I think, right. The, the only goalie that comes to mind that really excelled, like when they were his age, I mean, and I don't even know, I think was Ottinger. I think Ottinger is what, like 24 right now. And he's been fantastic. Yeah. He's like an absolute, like kind of feet, like out of like that doesn't happen. You don't you, like no goalie usually except for Ottinger. I'm sure there's some other examples that I'm forgetting, but usually goalies when they're 22, 23 are not playing like like Ottinger is. And I think especially based on like there were a lot of I think and I understand it. There were a lot of I think that it's I think Levi's got a like a you know he was a like a kind of a high prospect I think I believe right um, and like and I'm not so I'm not entirely sure, but there were a lot of people who were just like oh yeah he's the guy he's going to be number one. And we were kind of vocal about how I, I just think that I, I would be a little skeptical that he's going to be your number one guy. Um, I don't, not trying to say that I was right, but it was more that I just like any kind of young goalies like that. If you're going to try to, if you're going to just go immediately with them and not have a backup plan, I think is, is a little bit, it's a little bit scary and very risky overall. Now, who knows? There's another environment, you know, there's another situation where he would have been really good and everything would have worked out, but that's a very, I think that's a rare thing. Obviously the team and the organization knows a lot more about Levi and the kind of guy, you know, the kind of kid he is. It really, um, I think that puts it in a place, but I think UPL is an interesting one because he's been fine. I think for like this year, he's been very good. Uh, his track record is like that of a kind of below average goalie. I know. I think last year he struggled a little bit. So my expectation for him would not be to, that he's going to turn into like the number one for the Sabres, but at least right now he's, he's taking, you know, he's doing, he's, he's filling that role pretty well for the team. I think it would, it's, it's going to be scary if Levi isn't the number one. I think if the, if the Sabres don't have what they thought in Levi um, and he doesn't end up now, obviously again, we have what it's seven games last year. He's at nine games this year. I mean, it's like, 
I don't know, not it's less than 20 games for a goalie. That's like a third of a season for a starter, right? Like it, right. Can't, there's no way to really evaluate that, like whether or not he's going to be the kind of number one that you want him to be. Um, I think right now, if UPL continues to be solid, I think that uh, like he's a really good option for them, but also like they, it's, it's, I think the Sabres have always been in this weird situation where their goaltending's always been like a big question mark. Um, I mean, not, uh, which is funny to say after Hoshik and, you know, like kind of what they're kind of known for years ago, right? Is like now recently, the last like decade has just been, I mean, one of the big reasons like why, well, I remember there were the tank, the tank years where like they, one of their goalies was too good. So they just traded him, right? I mean, like, there's like these. <laughs> two, like, two goalies. <laughs> Michael, Michael Neuvers and Jonas Enroth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like, it's just funny to think about how they've still never really recovered from that. And I think that, I think there's a lot to be said about a great prospect like Levi. I mean, the wild have had Wallstead as their, you know, young goalie prospect yep. for a while. And I think having a player like that is really, really good to have in your system, but also uh, it takes time for goalies to develop and not everyone is Jay Gottinger um, and not everyone. Well, you know. <laughs> and I'll add to, I just double checked Ottinger had 44 games in the AHL before he made his NHL debut. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. even he, also, he even I, he had a little. Yeah, yeah. I'd also and it was say spread like, over parts of two seasons. Yeah, yeah. Ottinger's like when Ottinger was Levi's age, the, the age Levi is right now. That's when he came in, like yeah. the second half of that um, COVID shortened season. Yeah, like the weird different yeah, yeah, division yeah. only season. The so like season. it's even then they weren't like trying to start him right away and play him the full season. Yeah, and um, I think it's it's just a good thing to keep in mind is that Ottinger like had had a lot of games or at least some games and he had a you know like but he's been he's the he's the the exception to the rule that young goaltenders there's a reason why you don't see him very often there's a reason why teams give him a lot of AHL time I I think that it's not like I I don't think it's like I think it's totally reasonable for the Sabres to try you know Levi for the first part of the season because then they they obviously still have team control because I think right then they sent him down before he, he passed the the Yes. Mark, the gameplay mark which is the whole thing yes. is that you play nine games and so that that's that's his year basically unless they see something more and they want to use his first year right um but i i think that it's it makes a lot of sense for the sabers who are current like think in their position right now where i just think they're probably like we need to give levi a season of like development in our like in our ahl program or you know give get him some more playing time where he's not in this like kind of high pressure situation and hopefully upl maybe kind of you know fills in this year i think for them but they also i think are probably being realistic that like they're it's they're kind of a long shot to make the playoffs right now and they might as well just like let levi develop more because like for their long-term uh long-term performance that's much more important than like throwing Levi into a, into a high pressure situation and then just making him the number one when he's clearly like needs some more time to develop. Yeah, definitely. And you said there with him being a, a, like a top prospect, I almost wanted to be like, no, then I was kind of unsure. He was a seventh round pick, but I would say a year to the date of his draft by the time he was done being a draft plus one, he, I don't know if I'm mistaken. He was definitely, if he wasn't the top goalie prospect, he was one of them. And then definitely by two years after, just because, he was pretty good in college. And I just, just to add to that, like the, his comps, his, his, uh, I want to say sophomore year in college, his first year where he was a full-time starter and uh, won the, I'm forgetting what the, the Richter award it is in college for top college goalie. The only people that had a save percentage as high as him in the 21st century in a full season at the NCAA level were Ryan Miller, Connor Hellebuck and Jimmy Howard. And I remember when we were, you know, when he signed, I, it was kind of like, well, Hellebuck is a good example. Hellebuck had a year and a half in the AHL. Ryan Miller, we're very familiar with. For very Ryan Miller actually almost followed the same path. Came up at the end of a season, 
they were like, wow, that was great. Start next year. Yeah. Didn't work at all, then went back. And then the full season lockout happened. So Miller had a ton of time. And then Jimmy Howard was kind of a, not I wouldn't say a victim of being behind Osgood and Hashik, but it's not like they were going to move him up to the NHL. So it just, at that point, it felt super normal. And I, I couldn't have conceived of last year them uh, making him the 1A to start the year. I was thinking even it was kind of crazy for him to be 1B. So the long-winded way of saying, like, this is very normal and, and good. Like, yeah, I don't, don't see yeah. a downside to it. I, I think it, it makes perfect sense. I saw a lot of that sentiment from Sabres Twitter in general. It's like, this is the right decision. It's not going that great. And he just needs some more time to develop. And I think with young goalies, like, that's what you want to give them. It's, it's also like, the you know, again, this is just like in anything, but goalies especially is like, you want a lot of time to evaluate. The, you know, as, as much time as you can give a player to then evaluate how good they're going to be. I mean, I, I should say goaltender is, is better. So there's no real, I mean, there's a little bit of a rush for the Sabres because they kind of don't have an answer after Levi if he doesn't pan out, I would say. It doesn't seem like, unless they're going to go to the free agency market, which is always risky for goaltenders. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I think it's a great decision for the Sabres. It's an unfortunate one because it means that he didn't pan out like I think a lot of people wanted for the team or a lot of fans wanted. And I'm definitely rooting for him because it'd be fun to see a young another young goalie like Ottinger for the Sabres. But uh, you got to kind of allow that to develop. To develop. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. And behind, and behind Levi on the Sabres prospect organization, organizational depth chart and goal is Scott Ratzlaff, who was a draft pick last year, and Topias Linonen, the second round pick from two years ago. Taylor, do you have any other Sabres related questions? Because I have a couple fun ones I want to throw at Josh. Uh, I have a uh, yes or no question. The Sabres dodge a bullet with Pack by not signing Pat Kane. Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I, it, here's the thing. It was a one year deal. It was probably always going to be a one year deal. I, I it wouldn't have been the like, what well, was it one at 2.75, I think. Um, yeah. 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 Um, so it's like, I don't know if you have the cap space, like it's not like the end of the world. You're not signing him to a long term deal. Right. And uh, but it's also like I just think like he wasn't Patrick Kane wasn't good for like a couple years before he had a surgery. And now he's been out for a long period of time because he had a, a pretty serious injury that required surgery. And then you're expecting him to be better. Like, I just don't, there's not, I think it's a good thing. The Sabres didn't sign Patrick Kane. Cause it's just like, what does he really do for them? Like, it's not like if they're going to a team signing Patrick Kane is intending to use him in a high leverage situation. That's going to take minutes away from younger players. And I don't think the Sabres are in a position where they want to have a player like that. Now, if they were going to bring him in as a third liner, sure. I mean, I guess sure, right? But usually, I think I would expect the Red the Red Rings are probably going to be playing him in a top six role. Um, they're a different organization. It's just a one year deal. But I'd say, yeah, they kind of dodged a bullet. But it's not like it would have been that big of a deal getting a one year player like that in. I just don't. I don't have a lot of faith in Patrick Kane. Like he just was not good at the end of his career. He's just coming off long. You know, like I said, like solid, uh, very big surgery and. I don't know. I just don't, I, that kind of player is, is very risky and I, I would not expect a lot from a player like that. Right. That makes sense. Brandon, what do you got? All right. I got a, a couple fun ones for you here, Josh. So something that's been a big talk of the, around the league over these past few years is expansion. Okay. Say hypothetically speaking, we were going to expand the league by two teams and you were chosen. You, Josh specifically had the power in your hands. You could choose two new expansion locations one of them has to be a prior nhl franchise and the other one has to be a brand new one where would you go so you're saying the prior as in you're relocating the team 
No, uh, no, just say <laughs> like for you could pick like a team like uh, like a Hartford or a Quebec or oh, uh, a California Golden Seal, something like that, like a prominent team of yesteryear for one, and then the other one is somewhere uh, a city that has never had a team or like that's a little bit more under the radar. I mean, I think I, I guess Quebec City makes the most sense, but I am honestly, and this is going to sound really kind of dumb, especially for you guys on a Sabres podcast, but I think the league needs to have another team in Toronto. Oh, or, Josh. Or around Toronto, because okay. I I think it would, like, it wouldn't, it's never going to happen. But I actually think that the more and more is that there's, first of all, there's too many Leafs fans. So you got to get some, you know, you got to get some, some you got to divide that. I think the rivalry would be kind of fun between two teams in Toronto. I just think would, you know, like, like, the you have the the new york teams like the even the jersey and like the area like even buffalo right there's th- three new york teams right like i just think and there's a certain rivalry between you know some of them it's not like really the same as like like i don't know uh like the sabers and the leafs or like sabers and some other teams right but um i just think and like a, a kind of like that is a fun idea that i i think it's i know it, it, you guys are going to groan but that's one <laughs> i really think i would rather see them add like i don't know what's the what are the other cities around hamilton or like yeah, um, hamilton, like, yeah. like like i think some of like a team like that i i think makes a lot of sense to me i think you know i, I think let's see a team that's ne- a, a city that's never had a nhl team i mean i think houston is like the obvious one i don't know yeah. if i i think that's the one that comes to mind I don't really, I, I'm just not a fan of the stars. So I don't really want Texas to get another team anyway, because uh, <laughs> they stole the Minnesota team. like years ago, And I've just never, I, even though I wasn't, a, I was like a kid, I was like four or whatever. When that happened, I still, it doesn't sit well with me that this, that the Minnesota North stars name doesn't get to be on a Minnesota team. That's well, wait, like, Josh, if <laughs> I think an acceptable answer here then would be you bring another team to Minnesota and you have. Yeah. <laughs> the Minneapolis uh, Wild and the St. Paul North Stars. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you wow. know, I think that would be fun. I honestly, the other one that I think is fun, just because I have some ties to Wisconsin, is like a team in Milwaukee. Yeah. I don't think they're ever going to do that, but I think there's a ton of fans in Wisconsin, and I think we'll, there's we'll, an arena, right? Yeah, there is, and it they're not going to do it because it's too close to Chicago and like the way the league oh. thinks. They're just they're it's it's they already get a, a big draw of of kind of the Milwaukee Madison area down to Chicago to go see Blackhawks games anyway. So they're not going to do it, but I think Milwaukee is a fun, like there's already kind of, they have a, it's a great town. Um, I think there's a lot of players in the area. And also there's a ton of hockey fans, given that they like Wisconsin has a great program and there's a ton of college fans in Wisconsin that I guess that's the one I've always thought would be kind of fun, but I'm a little biased because I like kind of fighting with my Wisconsin neighbors, uh, you know, if you will, about various teams. Uh, And I think having a, a hockey team in Wisconsin, I think would be a, uh, would be a fun place for them to add one but the obvious answer seems to be houston um i think that i don't know i'm trying to think if there's been another i well i guess to your first question i i i toronto i think just makes sense because i just would love to see the chaos of canada getting another team and people being mad about it, toronto having two i just think that injects a lot of chaos and interesting aspects to the to the the league that would really make things fun my actual answer though is i think atlanta needs a team i i honestly think nice. atlanta, like the thrasters are so mismanaged and were so poorly handled from ownership that i think there was a legitimate fan base in atlanta that really enjoyed the team and enjoyed hockey and i think atlanta is such a big city with a great sports culture there anyway that i think atlanta actually should give a team have a team again in my opinion before any other american city that's just my opinion because i i'm also for, i was born in atlanta oh um, cool yeah i only lived there for a couple of years but like actually was born in georgia so it's like 
I'm a, I have a little bit of a, of a soft spot for Atlanta sports teams. Oh yeah. yeah. Hey, either I, bring yeah. the thrashers back or do something yeah. like the Atlanta outcast or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, wow. I just think, I just think Atlanta is a great, is like they, I just think they weren't given a good enough shot given how poorly they were mismanaged and how terrible ownership was there that sure. I think that the fans didn't really get a good shot at like supporting a, a good team, a team that was well run both times. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah both times yeah. around. Yeah. That, that's yeah. That's a good answer. I gotta say, as someone who Spotify wrapped today, said that my music tastes are more in line with Madison, Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> I support cool. the Wisconsin team now. Uh, but yeah, Atlanta, I feel like makes more sense to me than basically any American market at the moment, just because yeah. it's growing as much as it is. And uh, you honestly, you could do you could do it different, completely different than you did last time. You could do it arena in a totally different area. Like Atlanta is such a sprawling area. Yeah. Uh, so there's 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 moves like that. But yeah, I agree. Like looking into it uh, with Phoenix having or not Phoenix, Arizona potentially moving and looking into that whole saga versus why Atlanta moved. It really happened. I don't, I don't want to say by accident, but it's almost insane how bad things had to go for them to move. Like it was. Yeah untenable yeah. it was honestly more untenable than the current arizona situation yeah, so I, yeah it's not a really a that, fair yeah. it wasn't a fair yeah. shake yeah exactly that's kind of my thing and i i just think that the like yeah i i think atlanta really like more than i don't know houston already like texas is huge obviously and houston makes a lot of sense and i wouldn't be surprised if they if they do a relocation to houston or they they have a team there um but i think atlanta is the one that i would rather see uh, you know, come come back around. All right. Well, shout out Nick Antropov from our beloved Atlanta Thrashers. <laughs> let, let's let's name some guys here. No, uh, Taylor, do you have any other questions for Josh before we sign off? No. Last thing on the the teams moving, uh, the Toronto idea immediately like it. The idea that a second Toronto team could come in and have a start like Seattle or Vegas, you know, or you know, more to the point, yeah. win some playoff series early on. Yeah. Uh, while the Leafs continue not to is the funniest thing <laughs> I can possibly imagine. So I see. I just think and, there's a lot there's a lot of potential with adding a team in Toronto or in one of the neighboring towns that I think is very big and like it's also just like the capital of like like the hockey world if you will and like I yeah. think the fact that there's not two teams seems a little bit odd to me when New York has three and I mean obviously like the Sabres are upstate and obviously it's like a different thing but well, you know, they do have three because they have the, the Devils are so close. Yeah, I know. That New York metro area has three, I, and yeah. they, the Toronto metro area must have twice as many fans. Yeah, exactly. And I just think it makes a lot of sense that you would have another NHL franchise, and also it would make things crazy on like the the way the fans would handle it, the way the Canadians would just like lose their minds, seeing like fans like change, you know, like change allegiance and all this stuff. I just think there's so much interesting, like funny stuff that could happen from uh, a, a team, another team moving into the Toronto area. Um, I, yeah. And like, to your point as a Sabres fan, it'd be, wouldn't it be hilarious to see the, the Leafs keep losing and the new Toronto team, like do better. Like, I just think <laughs> that's a, just a funny idea. Sorry. Our Canadian, our, my Canadian listeners, if you will. I, I love Canada. Good disclaimer there, Josh. <laughs> yeah. Well, Josh, before we sign off then tell everybody where they could find you online, how they can subscribe to the site, give a, give the whole lowdown. Yeah. Well, uh, you can, uh, on Twitter, uh, I, me and my brother run a joint account, uh, at evolving wild. There's our personal, our, our, uh, website account is at evolving hockey. Uh, check out our website, evolving hockey.com. You can consider subscribing. We have a lot of, uh, uh, interesting data tables, visualizations, projections. One of our big things is contract projections as well, which will, oh. this, this coming up pre-agency, uh, is going to be very interesting for how, how things shake out. 
Um, we also have a podcast, Evolving Hockey Podcast, which is on, I don't know, every other, I don't know, whatever you, whatever podcast people say, you can find it wherever you find your normal podcast. Uh, and yeah, we have, I think some interesting stuff coming out. We, uh, I think a lot of people know our, like some of our player cards, which is just like a general overview of how our, how we evaluate players with a lot of different metrics. Uh, we usually wait around this time to update them just because of some timing and some cutoffs and those will be up in the next few weeks. So keep an eye out for those. Uh, but I think that's pretty much it. Uh, yeah. And then we just have some general content on the, on the website, on the front page. So go check out, take a, take a read. And if you have any questions or whatever, you can find us on Twitter or, you know, DMS or, or email as well. Amazing. Can I recommend you guys, the site, following you on Twitter, all that enough. You are just fantastic, my friend. We really appreciate you taking the time. And I will, how about we get you on again this season as compared to yeah. waiting another year and a half? It'd, it'd be fun to evaluate where the team is after, at, like close to the end of the year and see how things played out. I think uh, like, there's a lot of things right now we, t- we talked about that were kind of uncertainty around, is it an early season thing? Is it yep. uh, we, we should be concerned about? Is is Cousins really off to, you know, is, is his start going to turn around? These things I think would be fun to evaluate. So, yeah, just let me know, and I'd be happy to come back on. We'll, we'll see you in March then, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take it easy, guys. All right. Make sure you're following Josh and Evolving Hockey, Evolving Wild on Twitter. Make sure you're going to the site and subscribing, everybody. Again, Taylor and I both cannot recommend enough. But thank you all for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both of the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites, whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode. Check out all of our fellow shows and the Evolving Hockey Podcast. And make sure you're following both the Charging Buffalo and the Hockey Podcast Network on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, where you can also find us, Straight Up Sabres. And before you close out of this app, whatever you're using to listen to this episode, make sure you leave us a nice little rating or review as we would very, very much appreciate it. Last but not least, folks, our sponsors. Oh, we love our sponsors, folks, don't we? We we really, really do. That being DraftKings Sportsbook, use that promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals and head to Ray com slash THPN to support our very good friend and fellow Sabres fan, Ray J. We love it. Get your Christmas presents in now, everybody, or whatever your holiday of choice is. Get those presents bought at Raycon.com slash THPN. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Monday, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. This has been Straight Up Sabres.